Amen. Amen. Welcome to Christmas 2020. We are glad to be here with you, even though we're coming to you um, under these circumstances, into your living rooms, into your kitchens, with your coffee, in your jammies, with your family all gathered around. It's still an opportunity for us to experience Christmas and to enjoy what's going on. We are at this time launching our series for the Christmas season 2020, and that is looking for gold in a cardboard world. Why on earth would we do that? You know, 27 years of doing Christmas messages over and over and over and over over again, and you're looking for some way to, to say, hey, what does Christmas mean to us this year? And this is where we are this year, um, lo- searching for gold, looking for gold in a cardboard world. And I say that as my friends show up out here to my right, it's like, are these people not awesome? And this is great. And then we've got these people over here, very good looking young man right there, and, and some people over here, and they've gathered around with us, and and, and again, as we're talking about this, what is this cardboard world? Well, we find ourselves in circumstances, not just because of what's going on, certainly not at all, but we're in a world that is going to pass away. It is. And so we're here, and we're gathered together, and we want to talk about um, um, Christmas, but here's the deal. As a humanity, we're looking for hope. We're looking for something that is better than what is going on. And today, although we're talking about looking for gold in a cardboard world, that gold is hope. We live in a place where people can be two-dimensional. These are my friends. They're two-dimensional today. Not really because they're actually here as well. And we were going to do some crazy fun things um, with these all through um, December throughout the building. But we don't get that opportunity. So they're up here with me today going through this thing. You know, cardboard, you say, what does cardboard have to do with Christmas? Cardboard shows up in Christmas. I mean, let's just be honest. The Amazon truck shows up and they bring the Amazon box and you're like, it's Amazon Prime. Yes, it's great. And so suddenly there's a cardboard box. When our children are opening up, opening up their Christmas gifts on, on um, Christmas Eve or Christmas uh, morning, whichever that is that you do that, our children will open up their boxes. And sure enough, about the time we get all done, um, the, the littler children are playing in the boxes, aren't they? They're just having way too much fun with the cardboard. And it is kind of crazy. So many times that we will settle for the cardboard. Um, let's be honest. I don't know if you're like me, but you know, your wife is wrapping presents and you're sitting there talking to her and and she gets all done and all of a sudden, you know, there's that tube. She's done wrapping the presents and the tube is empty and it's just laying there on the table, isn't it? And so you reach out and you grab it because now it's a weapon or now it's a tool and you reach out and you smack her a little bit and you're like, hey, it's a sword now. See, it's a cardboard sword because we don't have the real thing and we don't want to use the real thing Um, but that's the way it is Um, it's crazy because as I was looking up cardboard and what people have done with it um, I, I came across a cardboard car not just like a, you know, like romper room, if you remember that back in the day where you pulled the cardboard car up and you walked around your living room. I'm talking about this thing was like a Rolls Royce or a Bugatti and it was almost full size. It was absolutely amazing, but it was made out of cardboard. And to see it, it was just absolutely astonishing. And so we're, we're talking about the idea of um, settling and finding hope instead of settling as we look for gold. And I hope this Christmas that you are looking for gold. I hope that that is, like, in in light of everything going on, I hope that you're saying we're going to have love, we're going to have peace, we're going to gather together as a family, we're going to pray health, we're going to eat together, we're going to open gifts, and we're going to remember Jesus. We're going to remember 
that he came down here to give us hope. You know, I was, I was looking at gold as well as cardboard, and, and, and I found this article, and I just want to share it with you. If you're familiar with the gold rush, we, we, uh, we think it's like 1849, you know, the minor 49ers, but it really started in 1848, believe it or not. On January 24th in 1848, James Marshall was a carpenter originally from New Jersey, and he found flakes of gold in an American river at the base of the Sierra Nevada Mountains near Coloma, California. At that time, he was building a mill for a man that wanted to set up a lumber mill. His name was Sutter. So he was building Sutter's mill that was going to be powered by the river, and uh, that's how it was going to work. But he started finding these flakes of gold, and it's absolutely amazing because um, just just as I just give you some statistics here, um, at the end of the year, the non-native population of California in 1849 was over 100,000 people, as compared to 800 non-native American peoples um, in March a year earlier in um, 1848. It grew that much because people from all over the place were just dumping their jobs, leaving their farms. Women suddenly had bigger responsibilities out in the east, running stores, running farms, raising children, while husbands were cashing in everything that they possibly could and, and uh, making way by ship or by uh, wagon train or whatever it was to get to California as fast as they could. And when you stop and you read the, the depth of this article about how much gold was pulled out of of that river in that area. And we're not even talking about, you know, up in the Klondike yet. This is down in California. It's absolutely astonishing how many millions of tons of gold um, was pulled out of that, and it was crazy. Gold is something that absolutely everybody wants, okay? Not everybody can afford it, so we settle for fake gold. We settle for cardboard. We settle for whatever we can get our hands on, and that's what begins to happen, okay? And that's what I want to talk about. Why settle for a life? Why settle for a Christmas that is not everything that God is, is wanting you to have? And I wonder if you are even aware this morning what it is that God actually wants for you because so many times we hear God say hey come and do this and we're like yeah I don't want to do that Uh, I'll just go ahead and do this because it's easier we settle it's easier I can get it it's mine I can have it it's like that and so I I want to look at some scripture here because Jesus is talking with his disciples in Matthew 13 and so if you've got your Bible or if you've got your um, your uh, version right there with you, I want you to go ahead and open that up. I happen to like a Bible. Um, the one that I normally use um, is at home because I've been using it. Um, and so I've got this one. It's for people who are you know, like getting older like me, and it has great big giant words in it. It's great. That's why it's so thick. But anyway, I want to read to you from Matthew 13. Um, it begins at verse 44, and it's just a couple of passages before we get into the, the, the depth of the passage that I want to share with you. But this is what it looks like, okay? Now, in, in this scripture, we recognize that Jesus is telling us a parable. And, and we've got to understand that um, Jesus speaks parables all the time. Um, as a matter of fact, um, the scripture would say in Matthew 13, 34, just ahead of this, that Jesus spoke all these things to the crowds in 
parables. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. So was fulfilled what was spoken through the prophet. I will open up my mouth in parables. I will utter hidden things since the creation of the world. The bottom line is that that Jesus is is fulfilling uh, scripture and he's saying, I'm going to tell you parables because there are some things that have been hidden since the beginning of the world that I'm unpacking. He's not hiding them. He's unpacking them. Now, this is funny to me because there are people in our community in our county that call us the story church. Isn't that crazy? They call us the story church. Oh yeah, you go up there to the story church. They're always telling stories up at that church. You know why I'm always telling stories? Because the scripture says right here that Jesus did not speak to these people anymore without using a parable, without using a story. And so in Matthew 13, we've got him launching into stories, and Matthew kind of shares that with us as a setup to the fact that he's going to share with us several stories, several parables that Jesus has shared about the kingdom of heaven. When you think about what it means to to receive life from Christ, when you think about the baby coming at Christmas and he's bringing us life, he's bringing us hope, he's bringing us light, this is what Jesus wants to point us to. In verse 44 it says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy he went and sold everything he had and he bought that field. Not telling anybody what was in there. He found something that was in there. He knew it was going to be gold and it was going to be worth a fortune. So he covered it back up, Jesus says in the story, and then he went and sold everything he had and invested it in that one field. And only he knew that inside of that field was all the treasure that would make him an incredibly wealthy man. And then Jesus goes on to say, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. He's going to the marketplace. That would be the picture that Jesus had. Here's a merchant. He's going in the marketplace, you know, kind of like American pickers. You know, they just kind of go through the marketplace, through people's barns, through stuff like that. And they look through stuff and they see stuff and hey, there it is. And yeah, it's no big deal and it's all good. And, 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 and that's, but he's looking for something. He's looking for something precious. And here's the key. He knows what he's looking for. He's looking for hope. He's looking for life. He's looking for a Messiah. That's what Jesus is trying to get across to us. He is looking for God to come down here and be our God. And and, and there's got to be more to life than what I'm experiencing. All of this cardboard, all of this cheap living, all of this stuff that I'm experiencing cannot be gold. Because gold is what lasts forever. Cardboard is only temporary. And so this man, he finds this pearl in the marketplace He found one of great value and he went away and he sold everything he had and he bought it. And that's the picture that Jesus is giving to us in these two scriptures. We're going to get to another scripture, but I just want to talk about that for just a second because we've got this idea. You know, you've heard these stories where um, somebody is at a garage sale or somebody is up in an attic or um, somebody saw something was for sale and they said, you know what, I'm going to get that. You know, I heard the story one time of, a, of, of somebody who had some baseball cards and, you know, they were just selling them and, and, and you know, the, how the story goes. It's like the guy walks into a garage sale or somebody's house and he sees a baseball card and he buys the baseball card or his grandfather. Paul bought it for him 60 years ago and he threw it in the closet and he gets it back out and you know here it is a you know a, 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 a psychob or you know one of those kind of things and it's like it's worth millions of dollars and when somebody finds something like that they're like whoa keep your mouth shut put it down go offer them what they 
think is an exorbitant amount of money, like they wanted 50 cents for the card, go off from $5, buy the card, run out and sell it for the million dollars. See, that's what Jesus is trying to tell us. He's trying to tell us that the kingdom of heaven is worth so much that the kingdom of heaven came down here and that for you and I to inherit the kingdom of heaven, it is worth everything that we've got. And I believe that we're far enough away from the advent of Jesus, the coming of Jesus, the first Christmas of Jesus, that we've decided cardboard is easier to get. And so we are leaving our lives short of what the kingdom of of God wants to show us. In your own life, what do you dream about? What do you dream about that's gold, that's precious? Is it family? Is it life? Is it a job? Is it a home? Is it what is it that is so, so, so precious that you would give up your whole life for it? Because we live in an instant world, a microwave world, a drive-through world. We live in a buy-it-on-credit world. We live in a I-gotta-have-it-right-now world. But we live in a knockoff world. We live in a world that wants to tell you that it's gold, but it's made out of cardboard. We live in a world where somebody will copy something just that fast. They will copy it. Look at this picture right here. Do you know what this is? Do you know what that picture is? Listen, I've been a car aficionado. I won't even call myself an aficionado. I've just been a kid that wants cars all of my life. As a kid, I I had a couple of 1967 Cougars, one with a 302, one with a 427, and one with a 289 in it. Had all three of them at the same time. I just just loved that car. It was like a glorified Mustang is what it was. But but it was awesome. So I've just always loved cars. It's always been fun. I'm, I'm not who I am because I own a car. You're not cool because you have a certain kind of car. It's just a car. But when you look at that car, what is it? You say, well, Pastor Joe, that right there, that is a 1958 Chevrolet Corvette. Would you believe that no, it's not? Would you believe that that is a 2019, 2020 Chinese knockoff of a 1958 Chevrolet Corvette? 100% electric is what that is up there. Isn't that crazy? We're always willing to knock something off. Uh, it's made by a car manufacturer called Song, Song San, and that's actually an SS Dolphin, believe it or not. That's what they call it. It's an SS knock, uh, excuse me, Dolphin. It's a knockoff. It's not real. It's it just made to look like it so that you would think, hey, I have a 1958 Corvette, and that's not what it is. It's just a knockoff. The scripture that I want to share with you is, is right here in the book of Hebrews chapter 11. I want to look at that way. Because we're a world that will settle for a knockoff. You know, girls go out and, and, and buy a pair of high heels and just like take a roller and just paint the bottom of them red. You know what I mean? And evidently they're supposed to be worth more if they have a red sole. Craziest thing in the world to me personally, but I don't wear high heels. Okay? We're a knockoff generation. You know, the, the cliche about going to New York and some guy's like, hey, listen, I got I to watch. You want to watch? You want to watch? I got to watch over here. I got a Rolex. It's a real Rolex. Well, it's not a real Rolex, but nobody will know it's not a real Rolex. It's cardboard. It's not really cardboard, but you understand what I'm saying. It's not worth a thing, and it's not going to last. It's not gold. You can't even melt it down. A Rolex, you could probably melt some parts down and find some platinum and some gold in it, but not in the knockoffs. And so many times in our lives, we settle for knockoffs. 
when God has something in store for us. Let me just read to you from the book of Hebrews. I want to share with you, it didn't always used to be this way in humanity, that people were in a hurry and they wanted it quick and they wanted that. People used to look down the the road and they'd say, we've got to think long term. And look at here in Hebrews of chapter 11, verses 1 through 10. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for. Christmas is about hope. Christmas is about hope. It's what we hope for and what we're certain of what we do not see. And this is what the ancient people were commended for, that they stayed at it, that they kept hoping, that they persevered, waiting. But guess what they were waiting for? They were waiting for the coming of the Messiah. Moses spoke of him, that one day God will send a prophet like unto me, and you need to listen to him, he said. You've got to listen to every word he says. He was talking about Jesus. And so we see right here, it goes on, by faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what is visible. By faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as a righteous man when God spoke well of his offering. And by faith, he still speaks even though he's dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God, and without faith it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. By faith, Noah, when he was warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in uh, the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. That's how we're supposed to be living, like strangers in a foreign country. We're not supposed to be getting all wound up about what the world's doing, not even our own nation. Yes, it can be better, but at the end of the day, we are ambassadors. We are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. This is not our home. This is not our nation. We're children of God. That's what Jesus came to make us. By faith, he made his home in this promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder was God. And that's what I want to share with you. He was looking forward to a city whose foundations were set by God, whose architect and builder was God. And this is what we've been invited into as children of God, that we have this hope within us that what we're experiencing right now, what we're going through right now, it will not last forever. It's cardboard. God says this earth that you and I know will be folded up and cast into the fire. And so only what's real will last. Only what is gold will come out. Can you imagine um, taking gold and, and putting it in a furnace and then all the impurities come to the top and you scrape it off and you have a more pure gold? But if you take cardboard and you put it in the fire, it disappears. It's gone. That's the way it is with this world. This world is just cardboard. It's only what's unseen and eternal, it says in the book of uh, Hebrews chapter 11. That's what's going to last. That's what we're hoping for. That's what the baby came down here to show us, that there is gold in a relationship with God. The whole whole chapter 11 of the book of Hebrews is all about what we call the heroes of faith or the hall of faith. And these are people that looked long down the road, anticipated that the Savior was coming, but they never received the things that were promised, the end of it all. They only saw them from a distance and rejoiced, and they waited for the day that they could rejoice with us because they knew that with us together when the Christ came, then 
Then would be the first advent. Then would be the coming of the kingdom of God. And so often we settle for less than what God has for us. And I want to encourage you, don't do that. What did the baby do when he came to the manger? And honestly, I don't know about you, but you know everybody's got this pristine idea that he was wrapped in a brand new blanket that was really pretty, and it was soft and it was fluffy, probably came from Walmart, um, had a blue and pink stripes on it and stuff like that. They laid in some very clean hay, very clean hay, okay? Probably sanitized, you know, um, it was wild hay, so it wasn't like, you know, um, chemicalized and stuff like that. No, no, we just get this idea that the Christmas story was over-sanitized, and it's not. They were just people, and all the people that were watching didn't know it was Christmas. And Mary and Joseph, Mary at least, had heard from Gabriel. I saw a meme the other day. It was hilarious. It was a picture, and it said, Mary, did you know? And underneath of it was a picture that said, yeah, Gabriel told me. It's like, you know, there's that song, Mary, did you know? Okay, never mind. Okay, so about this passage right here. So what is it that the baby came to bring us? What is, what is it that he came to give us life? In the book of John, chapter 10 and verse 10, and I just would encourage you to, to memorize this and, and just sow it into your heart. The thief comes only to kill and destroy. That's, that's, that's what Jesus is saying. But he said, I have come that you might have life. He's saying, I came that you might have life. I came as a baby to give you life. You were under a sentence of death. You could not come into heaven because you were unclean, impure, evil, and cursed by what Adam and Eve did. But I've come that you might have it life, and you might have life. And I love this. He said, "I've come that you might have life, and you might come. Uh, excuse me, you might have it to its full, to an abundant life." And I've, uh, four or five years ago, I looked up that word that that you might have it to the full. What is that word? You say that's not that's grammatically that feels uncomfortable, doesn't it? I have come that they may have life, and that they may have it to the full. To the full what? To the full. Well, because we need to plug this definition in here. Because that word full is parisos. In the Greek, it's parisos. And listen, I'm not a health, wealth, and prosperity pastor. I believe in deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Um, I believe that I've got a Father in heaven that I can ask anything that I want of, so I'm not afraid to do that either. I, I, I'm not thinking that um, you know, I'm persecuted if I, if I you know, have a flat tire. I'm not there. But at the same time, when you look at the word parisos that Jesus used in that particular situation, it says this, exceeding some number or measure or rank or need, okay, over and above more than is necessary, super added, okay, more than what is necessary. Jesus came to give us a life that is so full that it's more than what's necessary to exist on this planet. It goes on to say, exceeding abundantly, supremely, something further, more, much more than all, more plainly, B, something that is superior, extraordinary, surpassing and uncommon. And I would say that that may be a little more like what Jesus came to give us, a life that is superior, extraordinary, surpassing, and uncommon. Is your life uncommon? It goes on to say, a preeminence, a superior, uh, superiority, an advantage, more eminent, more remarkable, and more excellent. Is, does that describe the life that you're living, especially at Christmas time in 2020? David tells us that we were knit together in our mother's wombs, and God knew us then. And honestly, that's why we're a pro-life church. That's why um, God is pro-life, because he came to give us life. Pro-life is not a political platform. It's been robbed by politics. But it is not a political platform. It is a biblical truth that's been hijacked. 
Jesus said, I've come to give you life. He didn't say, I've come to take your life away from you and make things inconvenient because you're sinning. He said, I've come that you might have life and have it to its full. What does that mean? To have it exceedingly different than everybody around you. Is that the life that you're experiencing? Our lives in Christ are adopted into this understanding of life when we surrender to Jesus' love. We cannot go live a, a lifestyle outside of the truth of the Scripture. We can't do that. You cannot go live that kind of lifestyle and say, I know God loves me and he's going to save me anyway, when the invitation is come away from your life of sin, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Go and make disciples. So that when the trumpet blows, we're counted as sheep, not goats. We can't shake our fist in God's face and say, no, I'm going to do it your, my way, but you have to let me in. We can't do that. Jesus came to die for our sins, not so that we could keep living in sin, but so that we could be set free from it, so that we could enjoy this kind of a life, full, abundant, parisos. It's not a picture of money, cars, houses, fancy clothes, lavish living and extravagant lifestyles. That's uh, living rich, and honestly, if that were the case, then Hollywood would be one of the, you know, uh, the, the, the most wonderful places in the world, and it's not. Those people can't even hold their marriages together for crying out loud. Having more is not the answer to your life. Having Christ is the answer to your life. Disney World is not heaven. <laughs> it's just a great vacation spot. And sometimes we, we confuse abundant and parisos. Like everything, the devil will take the gifts of God and he will hijack them and he will make them his own. And then suddenly we'll wonder why things are the way they are. Our sexuality is a prime example of that. God said we save sex for a marriage between a man and a woman. We're like, no, what does God know? We, we don't have to wait till we're married. We're consenting adults. It doesn't matter what our gender is. Yes, it does to God because he wants what's best for you. And he can't excuse sin if he killed his son because of sin. When he who knew no sin came down here to be our Christmas, to be our gold, and then he died on the cross, he took our sin and he gave us his righteousness. See? And then Paul says, only let us live up to that which we've already received. We need to do that. Listen. Are you experiencing the life that you want in Jesus Christ? I know things go wrong, and I know things are difficult. I lost a brother-in-law to, to the virus that's going around. It's not always easy, this life that we have. But that doesn't mean it's not gold. There are just a couple of things when I was reading up on the gold um, rush back in the, uh, 1849 and then the Yukon gold rush. It's like I was reading up on that. And there are some things that, that you know, we could tell a parable. That Jesus could have used the parable if he was 2,000 years later than he was and said, it's like the gold rush. Walking with Jesus, walking in a Parisos life, walking in a life that is favored by God and glorified God so that you can make a difference in the world, not so that you can consume it upon your own flesh, James says. But living the life that God created for you and I. When people want gold, they do these things, and the same thing should be true of our relationship with, with God. It's not just about going to church, throwing 50 bucks in the, in the plate and moving on. I want God to speak to me. <clears throat> so here you go. When people want gold, fear gets conquered. <clears throat> Think about that for a second. When people want gold, 
When there's a reality, they're going to become millionaires. When they can lay their hands on gold, fear is conquered. They go places they never, ever, ever would have gone. They go from New Jersey, get in a boat, sail down through the Panama Canal or cross over the Panama Canal, get in another boat and go up the other side of the United States. It takes months and months and months to do this thing. And they will do this conquering all the fears they have of leaving home, of leaving family, of of moving more than a block and a half away from your mama, okay? And they will actually go out into the wilderness where they might get killed. Because there's gold, and they might become rich. God said over and over, come, follow me. And he never told anyone where they were actually going. And we have to trust God in this journey. Know that what God says will come to pass, and he says it for your blessing. And if we're going to live a life of gold, then we've got to conquer some fears. And and the Holy Spirit inside of us has given us the power to conquer these fears. And we've got to go places we've never been before. We've got to be willing to step out of our comfort zone. It's going to be inconvenient. If we're going to embrace parisos, fear's got to go. For I did not give you a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. That's what Paul tells us. For God did not give us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. Not being afraid of dying, not be afraid. That just allows us to live every moment because we can trust that God's got our end in his hand and it's going to be okay. When people want gold, they go all in whole sermon series that we did years ago, but I got to speak on it again the other night um, with a group of people that are going to give their lives for the summer um, in Christian camps, and what a great opportunity that was for me. I I enjoyed it. It was absolutely wonderful. But there's a challenge there that, that people who want gold have to go all in. You cannot want gold in Pennsylvania and just dream about mining it in in uh, California and suddenly you become rich you cannot just take your Bible and sit it on your head you can't do this and just say well I wore this Bible on my head for three years and I looked really stupid and I'm waiting for all this information to go down into my head you can't do that you got to go all in. You got to take time. You got to read this thing. You got to get into it. You got to understand that it's living and active. You got to let it do things to your soul. You got to let it tell you to repent. We don't like that word, do we, at Christmas? You got to let it convict you and say, "You know what? You, you sinned. You you got to go make this right." We've got to be willing to do that. We've got to go all in. Christmas is a time when we've got to stop and say, am I all in? The wise men, they were all in. Then they traveled for up to two years, theologians will say, just to find the, the newborn king of Jerusalem, which was no newborn king of Jerusalem. It was a newborn king in Bethlehem, but near Jerusalem. See? They went all in. And some of us just say, well, I prayed to God and he didn't answer it. Did you go all in? Did you fast? Did you pray? Did you follow him? Did you come away from sin? Did you continue to sin and say, well, God, you just got to bless me in my sin? Or did you come away from it and say, God, I've left my sin. Please be here with me. When people experience the gold of the kingdom of heaven, it's because they went all in. And I would encourage you to be aware of that. They invest their lives in the quest 
They have a focus that they never had before. I'm going to buy this field because I saw the gold that's in it, and I am going to be incredibly wealthy in my soul. I'm going to buy that pearl because that man does not know what he has. And I'm going to give him $50 for a $50,000 pearl. And I'm going to count myself favored by God. But i got to go all in to do it. I'm willing to walk away from my career to preach the gospel simply because Jesus said do it. I got a phone call. Uh, excuse me, I got an email from a man that said, hey, the Holy Spirit said for me to invite you to this meeting. And I said, well, I don't have time for that meeting. And um, I, so I can't go and speak at the meeting. And I, I rolled my, over on my pillow, and I was going to write him an email the next day. And when I rolled over, the Lord said, I want you to go and say this, 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 and this. And I said, okay, Lord, I'm all in. It's three and a half hours one way. And so I drove over, and I said it, and I turned around and drove back. That's where God wants us. Come Follow me. That's where the gold is in Christmas. And the last thing is this. People that are looking for gold, people that are looking for God, hope drives them. Hope drives them. It drives them and drives them and drives them and drives them. Sometimes blind, reckless determination forces them to stay the course. They will dig, they will pan, they will stand in a river till they die. But they will not give up because they know that that next pan, that next shovel full, that next what, foot of dirt, that's where the gold is. Wouldn't that be amazing if that's where we were with God this Christmas? That that next minute that I spent praying, that next minute that I spent reading Scripture, that next minute I spent looking for the gold of the Holy Spirit to change my life was right there if I would just be all in and linger and let hope drive me. You want gold in your job? Pursue the hope. You want gold in your relationships? Man, you've got to let hope drive that. You want gold in what God has for you in this life. Man, you've got to be willing to go all in. You've got to be willing to conquer fear. And you've got to be willing to stay at it. Hope causes people to stay the course. We've got to stop dancing with cardboard partners. We've got to understand God has called us to something different. We don't have to own the world. We don't have to own the things of the world to be rich in the things of God. We have to stop pointing our fingers at cardboard lame excuses of why I can't give, why I can't serve, why I don't have to love because they were mean to me. We've got to let go of that to embrace the gold of healing, to embrace the gold of love, but more than anything this morning, to embrace the gold of hope. All, that around you, all that's around you right now is not gold. Absolutely. We live in a cardboard world. It's temporary. It's going to be folded up. But eternity is the real reality that we should be living, saving, and investing for. Look what Paul told the church in 2 Corinthians as we wrap this up right now. Therefore, don't lose heart. We do not lose heart. Though outwardly, we're wasting away. We might just be getting older and older and older and, you know, hungrier and hungrier, but we're, we're not wasting, excuse me, we are wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed by the Holy Spirit who is God, day by day. For our light and momentary troubles, 
are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Look at this. This is the part. This is the part that finds the gold in Christmas. So we fix our eyes on what, not on what is seen, not that, since what is seen is temporary, it's cardboard, but we fix our eyes on what is unseen because that's eternal. And that's what he tells us to do. Christmas is about hope. Christmas is about your hope. Your hope for your family, your hope for your job, your hope for your life, your hope for your relationship to God and what it's going to do. And I would encourage you to embrace that hope. I would encourage you that it is time for you to take out a root of bitterness because I, I, I'm just seeing that people, as, as they interact with being alone and sequestered from other people, they find reasons to find roots of bitterness and they're letting them go down in there. And, and, and it's, it's in the soil where the gold is and it's choking out. Pull the root of bitterness out and embrace the gold of forgiveness and healing and mercy that Jesus gave to you so freely because of Christmas. Freely, he said, we have received. So freely give. And Christmas is a time for giving. Hope is the gold of Christmas. And I believe that God is here and he wants to bring relief to our pain and our suffering. He wants to bring us back into a right, a right relationship with God. It's not just about the baby in the manger. It's about the man on the cross. It's not just about the man on the cross. My hope is in an empty tomb. I can't have Christmas without celebrating Easter and knowing that I have a home that's not on this earth, that's not cardboard, that's gold. Let's pray. God, who is God in heaven, we want to thank you and praise you for the love that you give to us, the joy that's ours because of who you are. We thank you for hope. I just ask and pray that you would help us, Lord, to put our eyes on the things of the kingdom of heaven, mercy, love, forgiveness, things that are worth digging for, things that are worth reading about, things that are worth praying over, things that are worth hungering for, that we might embrace and be in a relationship and in the presence of God Almighty. We thank you for that, God. We thank you for Christmas, God. In the name of Jesus, we speak against this virus. God, let it, let it, let it be gone. Let it be dead. Let it be, God, as, as the blood of Jesus Christ is on the mantle of our heart, let it pass us by. Let it be finished. It came in as a result of the first Adam, Lord, because he sinned, but it was beaten on the cross with the second Adam and the last Adam who died for our sins and to pay for this curse. So we rebuke it outrightly. We speak healing to those that are suffering, even right now, God. And we speak, God, truth upon our leaders, that they would lead with integrity, stop fighting, care about the people that they're supposed to watch over. Release your truth and your spirit upon them in the name of Jesus. Amen. Listen, if you're going through something, just because you're not in the building doesn't mean we can't pray with you. You can go to vineyardrichmond.com, and down in the right-hand corner, there's a button, a chat button. And on the other uh, end of that chat button are people that I know, people that I love. And they want to pray for you. And if you type out and say, hey, pray for me, they'll pray for you. If you type out and say, pray for me about this, they'll pray for you about that. They'll type right back to you. And you and them together, through technology, can still pray to God. And that's how we're closing the gap there.
Don't be afraid to say, you know what, I do need some prayer today. I am lonely, I am scared, I am sick, I am hurting, I am fearful, I am struggling with my finances, whatever it might be. We want to pray and come alongside of you. Don't be afraid to go there, vineyardrichmond.com, and they'll pray with you. Last thing that I want to share with you before I get out of your hair, we're looking forward to this whole month. Don't forget uh, December 24th, 5 o'clock and 6.30, we're going to have in-person um, 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 Christmas Eve services with candlelight. I'm supposed to say it, with candlelight, okay? It would be nice if you would go register um, on the event page at either the Facebook or the, um, the website for us so that we can make sure we've got the right amount of candles and we can do that. But hey, I want to thank those of you that make the outreaches, the More Than a Mangers, the Thanksgiving outreaches, the school outreaches that we do. I want to thank you because those of you that actually stop and say, I'm going to take God at his word and I'm going to tithe, those of you are making this happen. Those of you allow what's going on right now on your, your uh, apparatus or your television happen. You're putting the kingdom of God out there. And I want to thank you. You're investing in other people's salvation. And you can do that by going to vineyardrichmond.com. If you're wondering how you can give, just click on the Give button. It shows you a variety of ways. Everybody's favorite way right now is text to give. But just stop and say, hey, God wants a tithe. The tithe is 10%. What's the 10% I need to bring to him? Because he said he would bless me. Not health, wealth, and prosperity, but trust in God who loves you. God bless you and go in peace as you begin to celebrate the Christmas season of 2020. Amen.